This is CliffCentral.com. This show contains adult content. If you find it offensive, please go to the CliffCentral.com website where there's a show for you. CliffCentral.com. It is Friday morning. This is Sex Talk with John T. Searle. And I'm so excited because tomorrow's here. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> it is so cool. This was such a surprise. I didn't know you were going to do this. Oh, this is this was long overdue, John. I'm missing you. But then I got to spectacular Italy and everything became so sensual. I said, whatever happens here, I'm just tuning in. It, it has to happen. Well, that is just awesome. It makes me really excited because I have missed you enormously as well. I love you so much. And I hope you are having a fantastic time. I've seen some of the pictures that York's been posting, and it just looks awesome. Oh, my angel, this is uh, – there's, there's, uh, the summer here just makes you all – Full, so, feel so alive, and I, I must tell you that Slovenia and Italy, and Slovenia especially, is just a country of love. It is. It's Slovenia. So I, I really am been having the best time of my life. That's just awesome. I think I really need to go and teach and do things there. It's beautiful. And after all I, the I, shit they've been through in that part of the world, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. That's really fantastic. I've met quite a few Slovenians in South Africa over the years, and they are such nice people. They are the nicest. Apparently, they're called Slovenes. I, I also uh, got to know that fact, which I didn't know. And they are so proud of their country. They are so gentle. They have such a beautiful energy to them. It's uh, we, We've been floating in love. I'm telling you honestly, we've been floating in vibrations of love. There's something extremely special about this land. Um, and, of course, we crossed the border to Italy. Everything just looks like a painting of uh, something uh, sexy going to happen. I don't know. Just you cross the border. So it's been an extremely loving and embracing trip. And, uh, yeah, we really enjoy every single minute. It has been, I think, my best trip ever. Oh, that's so yeah. beautiful to hear. Yeah. We were doing the similar thing last weekend, floating in love at the uh, massage retreat in Durban on the south coast. I've seen the pictures. How was it? It was beautiful. It was so deep and powerful. It was amazing. It was life-changing for everybody there. Oh, my goodness. That is so cool, John. Really That's amazing. Awesome. Yes. And we have a really special guest this morning, Sue Fuller Good. Good morning. Sue Full of Good. <clears throat> feel good. Oh, we <laughs> like that. Good. Sue, <laughs> Sue, you are right at home here. Um, and the Sue yeah. feel good. Absolutely. So let's do this first and see if anybody has some smarts this morning. Today's dirty dictionary word was inspired by Casper. Casper de Fris came on the <laughs> show a few weeks ago and asked about a sex position called the Eiffel Tower. Did I know what that was? So of course I knew <laughs> what that was. So this was inspired by Casper. So this is dedicated to him. 
Dirty Dictionary Word London Bridge <laughs> London Bridge Is a sex position Any idea Sue? What London Bridge You know what London Bridge looks like? I know exactly what London Bridge looks okay. like But I'm afraid I'm at a loss For how that turns into a sex position Okay <laughs> Any ideas? I don't know. I don't remember now vividly how the London Bridge looks like, so I'm feeling a little bit uh, silly, stupid as well. Okay. So i give you a clue. So Casper came onto the show two weeks ago, and he asked if we knew what the Eiffel Tower was. So the Eiffel Tower is there is a woman, and there are two men at either end of her plugged into her, and they are kind of holding hands above her. Hmm. That's a clue. Okay. So if that's Eiffel Tower, you get an idea of what London Bridge looks like. How do you think that work would work out with bodies? I have a clue. Okay, so we will come back to that at the end of the show. If you think oh. you know what the Eiffel Tower is, WhatsApp us on zero seven nine seven four eight London Bridge two zero nine. Yeah, London Bridge. If you think you know how that works, um, so it has the Eiffel Tower. You need three people. London Bridge. You need more. And that's a clue. Okay. You lost me again. <laughs> so if you think you know, WhatsApp us, 0797482090. And we are talking this morning about pelvic pain, about painful sex, about everything being constricted and tight and frozen and interfering with pleasure and how that stops you having orgasms, how that stops you exploring and loving and having more fun. That's mm. how we start. So Sue was asking how we're going to start the conversation. That's how we start. A lot of women suffer from pelvic pain. A lot of women suffer from painful sex. And it's a silent suffering for a lot of of women. That's it, Jonty. And a lot of women don't want to talk about it. They're terrified to talk about it and they don't know who to talk about it to. And there's an interesting thing because over the years in my practice, I've worked with a lot of women, as have you, Mm -hmm. with pelvic pain. Um, painful sex, and a lot of times, sadly, doctors can't identify what this is, and they don't know what it is, and they end up saying it's either imaginary or it's in your mind, which it is, but they don't know the connection between the mind and the body and how it manifests. Exactly, exactly. The truth is that the pelvic floor muscle, which is the muscle that's going to have to relax to allow Mm. for penetration and that's going to have to relax to allow for pleasure, is a very Emotion, emotionally connected muscle. So very often, if there's any form of emotional constriction or tension or mm. fear or worry, um, it manifests in tightening in that muscle, yeah. which precludes any kind of enjoyment. So um, this is a huge problem for many women, and it's something we absolutely have to do something about. Yeah. So let's go and unpack some of this. Let's start looking at the connection between the mind and the body. So I'm going to give you my understanding of how it happens, and I'm really interested to hear what you think about this, Um, because we haven't had time to talk before. Exactly. So I'm really interested. So my take on it is, firstly, that we work in terms of patterns. So you do something once, you do something twice, you do something three times, a pattern starts to get set in the body. Now, the mind and the body work as one unit, the mind, the body, and the heart. When something is painful once, when it's painful twice, the pattern starts to get set. Now, when there is an emotional 
um, contract, con- contraction with something physical, when there's a negative emotional impact through guilt, through shame, through embarrassment, um, through us not enjoying sex, through feeling guilty about it, the mind and the body start to work together in tightening up those muscles. Exactly. So, so let's just unpack, first of all, what the purpose of pain is, because I think that's vital. And lots of people think that pain happens at the region that you feel the pain. Mm. And they're unaware that pain actually happens in the brain. Yes. The brain makes pain because of a whole lot of stimuli and inputs that it gets from the body. And it decides to interpret those inputs as either pain or not pain. So, for example, you can get shot through the leg, there's terrible tissue damage, but the brain may say, well, it's not worthwhile to give you pain right now because you need to save your life. You need to run away. So you may not even know you've been shot. <clears throat> but the pain gives, the brain gives you pain only when it thinks you need some sort of warning or awareness or alertness. Yeah. So let's now, put that in quite a simple way. If you, you're doing an exercise, your muscles are expanding and contracting. Sending signals up to your brain as to the stretch and the tension of your muscle. Your brain registers that and it sends signals back down to the muscle. And at some point it sends pain signals so you know you need to stop to prevent an injury. Exactly. Or you get a buildup of chemicals, lactic acid, and now it, uh, your brain interprets those chemicals as painful. Right. So you stop. And you protect yourself. Okay. So basically the purpose of pain is protection, is to inspire a change of behavior, to stop you doing something that might hurt you. Right. It's a prevention mechanism. But now let's put that into the context of sex. So when we have sex or when we allow ourselves to become relaxed with an intimate partner, we have to feel safe. And if there's any part of the brain that feels unsafe or Afraid or ashamed Then the brain may decide To give you pain In order to try to protect you mm. From imminent hurt Imminent further shame Imminent pain of whatever description Yeah Because the the the, um, the goal of the mind Is survival Exactly Full stop Survival And it has nothing to do with happiness It has nothing to do with pleasure It's about survival Absolutely Your brain's job is to keep you alive in the world Yeah So anything that is seen as a challenge to that, even if it might be pleasurable, the first response is contraction, tighten up. Exactly. So we even talk about it. We say, oh, I pooped myself or I Mm. shat myself. Mm. Because as soon as you're in a stressful situation, your tendency is to tighten up, especially your pelvic floor muscle. Yeah. And we all know that when eventually that tightening goes beyond um, a, a contraction that can be held, mm. you might lose control of your bladder or your bowel. So the, the pelvic floor muscle is a very emotional muscle. Yeah. And the interesting thing is the body's response to pain and to pleasure is exactly the same thing, the way most people have pleasure, which is contraction. Yes, well, especially if they're afraid of the pleasure or, or they're afraid to let go and allow the pleasure. Mm. Um, and of course, pleasure brings up lots of fears because the pleasure may end, the pleasure may give way to pain. Am I allowed to have this pleasure? Yeah. So, yeah. And there's an interesting one that stops a lot of women having orgasms or letting go into orgasm, which is a judgment of what they would look like and what they're going to do and what their body's going to do. And that's also a level of pain because I'm not going to let go because of that and the judgment that may come from it. And the shame. I may be, yeah. I may be forced to feel or I may land up feeling. Yeah. 
And that's a big one that I may just feel. Yes. And we are you there tomorrow? Yeah, I'm right here. Okay. So a lot of times we actually disconnect from the feeling and the power is in the feeling which translates into the body. Absolutely. Into our muscles. And you know what sex is really about is being in the body, not being in the mind. Absolutely. And unfortunately, a lot of people land up being in the mind, having conversations in their mind, and distract themselves from the pleasure of the body. And so that's a big cause of the muscles tightening up because if that conversation brings up fear or mm. pain or whatever. And that's so much mm. of, of what we spoke about last week and, and part of, of the sensual massage that I teach the beginning of it is saying that arousal and relaxation are incredibly linked. That the more relaxed you are, ultimately the higher the arousal because arousal and safety are linked. Absolutely. And as soon as you feel safe, you'll allow that to happen. So safety is a critical factor. Yeah. You have to feel safe with the person that you're with and you have to feel safe, feel safe to let go and relax. But you also have to get out of your head yeah, and start enjoying that pleasure. Yeah, because the safety is actually about me. Yes. So let's put that in terms of what we're talking about. But I need to digress for a second because when I was thinking about this yesterday, something very interesting popped into my mind. We are talking about this and we're looking at this in the context of women. Absolutely. Because women open to be penetrated, to receive. So we're looking at this in that context and it's Women's Month and we're doing a whole lot of stuff around women and all sorts of things. But I had an interesting thought that we need to come back to is the impact of pelvic tension. So I'm going to use the word tension for men. And one of the things that I came to for men is it actually causes a numbness. Mm. That, that the level of sensation men experience compared to what they could experience is limited by a numbness. And I think the tension in the pelvis does exactly the same thing for men. Absolutely. I mean, if I clench my fist and I hold it really, really tight – my ability to sense in in the, my wrist and my hand mm. is limited. So, um, unfortunately, when we're a very in a very tense state in a muscle, all the sensorial information mm. is reduced in its passage to the brain. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, and men um, so men block that. They block the level of feeling and allowing themselves to release. Absolutely. So I know, think about this tomorrow that you think about the amount of massage that you've done with men that's been kind of mm -hmm. sensual and sexual of how many men stop themselves having orgasm and letting go because of that tension. Uh, it goes, it goes so deep because, um, the reality is that there is such a disconnect and, um, there's the same patterns also happen with men. So if there was numbness or there's from from zero to go almost immediately into climax or on the contrary not even uh, you know getting an erection there is so much brain you know patterning around it so it's not even getting to the real function of 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 can you have an erection can you have more pleasure because it's like sue said it all stays in the brain the patterns are actually already so ingrained so yeah definitely something that i'm i'm, I'm hearing from men and women um, what is happening, and it's something that is, is so common. Yeah, and it's more common than than we know. Well, not than we know because we hear so much about it, but a lot of people won't talk about this. And especially men. 
don't want to talk about it. It's, yeah. it's really something men store under the carpet and they avoid the subject completely yeah. because it makes them feel less of a man to have yeah. a problem yeah. um, in the region of sex. And the interesting thing is I think of some couples I've worked with over the years that the man, the husband, the boyfriend, fiancé, whatever, cannot understand the pain that his partner is experiencing. And especially when she's been to a doctor and the doctor can't find anything that causes the pain mm. and they can't understand this. Yes. I, I think, uh, you know, again, it brings up a lot of problems for mm. men because they immediately feel inadequate. Mm. What am I doing wrong? Um, and as a, a natural protector, he wants to protect his woman from having pain, but mm. he also is afraid because he's inadequate in that sphere. So I think for me, the, the biggest piece of advice I can offer is to put it on the table and chat about it mm. among yourselves um, for women to be able to be open to their partners and say that they're having pain um, and for the man to know it's got nothing necessarily to do with him and yet he is the best person to help her deal with the pain. Yeah, And it's something that is so beautifully dealt with together. Um, just for the man to be able to allow her to relax and to bring her out of her head and into her body, mm. he's capable of doing that. Uh, but also not to measure his success by lack of success in taking the pain away. You know, it's a complicated and um, time-consuming business to take the pain away. Yeah, and that's the thing because a lot of other pain gets released reasonably easy, easily. Other pains in our bodies get released reasonably easily. It takes a little bit of time, but generally pelvic pain tends to last a whole lot longer because it's much deeper and because of the emotional connection. Yes, exactly, and, and often because it's not dealt with. Yeah. So what put you in mind of, of, of the mind-body connection with this? How did you get to that? Well, it's been a long journey for me. I am, uh, you know, I've been a physiotherapist for 30 years. Yes. And um, I went off and did my master's on the pelvis, on balance of forces around the pelvis. And, and then having sort of specialized in the pelvis, I started landing up getting everybody's pelvic pain patients. Mm -hmm. And I, I literally became the, the dustbin for the yeah. <laughs> people that nobody else could help. And uh, and I just realized that if I was going to really help these people, I'd have to go down the rabbit hole of what was really going on for them. Um, I went off and studied all sorts of other aspects of healing and, um, and very much went into the mind connection, started to study mindfulness and, uh, as you say, the mind-body connection because I recognized very quickly that I wasn't making any headway with these people mm. when I only worked with them on the physical level. Um, and so now, really, uh, it, uh, for me, it's so integrated that I can't see the difference between the mind and the body. Yeah. The two are just so inextricably linked that they have to be dealt with together. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, th and that's fantastic because, unfortunately, so many people from the medical world still see everything as separate entities. Absolutely. I mean, I so often see women who've been and had Botox done to mm. their pelvic floor, which I think is just an absolutely yeah. appalling yeah, I mean, thing to do to somebody's pelvic floor. Two it's years the ago, last thing you want to I do. think two or three years ago at Sexpo, there was there was this big thing that came out on the market called the G-Shot. Yes. So the G-Shot yes. was, and you remember they actually had a stand yeah. across from ours. And it was quite amazing because they had this little video playing of the procedure which was actually quite oh. hectic, you know, where a needle is inserted into the G-spot 
and then some mm. saline or Botox or whatever was actually injected. Um, and they showed this quite vividly. Wow. And I thought that was actually going to put more people off than say, well, why should I go and do this? Um, Unbelievable what yeah. people will subject themselves to. Absolutely. And, and I think that's just real ignorance. You yeah. know, it really is ignorance about how to deal with your. Yeah, that's looking for a quick fix. Exactly. That's and most it. people want a quick and fix. Let's face it, yeah. in this um, yeah. instant world we live in. Yeah. But we do really. That. I mean, my suggestion to anybody struggling with this kind of problem is there is no quick fix. Yeah, because the pattern of it often starts so far back in our lives. Absolutely. And our sexuality is just the place that it plays out. Mm, absolutely. So the interesting thing is um, of when you listen to, to, I don't know if you're familiar with Bruce Lipton's work, The yes, Biology of very, Belief. very familiar with and, his work. And Gabor Matei, who talks about the context and the fact that most of our patterns are set by age six or seven, eight. Mm. And all that happens then is they play out in the different aspects of our lives. Mm. So even though, you know, there's a very interesting debate about how sexual we are as children, because children express this natural exuberance that's sexual. By the way, I have to digress. There is the most fascinating and brave TED talk about ways of, of dealing with pedophiles. I will put the link up on our resources this week. It's yeah. really, it's fascinating to listen to. And it's a Dutch psychologist who gives the talk. Oh, and her perspective is, it really is. Mm. And uh, she is incredibly brave to put herself out in that way. Mm. Um, but it was really interesting. The thing is that I never, <laughs> I never made the, the connection before until now. The emotional pattern of childhood becomes the sexual, physical expression of adulthood. Okay. I mean, I, I completely confer in many ways. So, so I mean, how we receive affection, how safe we are with affection, how we watch mom and dad being affectionate with one another, how we respond to touch and feel with touch, yeah. how sensual we are allowed to be as a child. Yeah. We don't... Um, we. It doesn't manifest as a child in a physical sexual aspect. It manifests emotionally, and the manifestation of an adult is in our sexual patterning mm. or our sexual experience. Wow, that's really quite huge. It is huge. And, and I think, Jonty, what, what um, I've come across is the, the programming about sex mm. that was passed down either overtly or covertly from our parents mm. is extraordinarily um, involved in our sexuality in our later years. I mean, I often see with my um, black patients mm. who've grown up in very conservative um, families where sex is absolutely not discussed and lots of the um, young girls are told if you get pregnant you'll be sent away and will never take you back again don't you dare ever allow yourself to get sexually involved with a boy so uh, sex is made into something totally taboo and those patterns are laid down and and they are going to come back and play out later on um yeah. in in a girl's life and um, you can't just eliminate them yeah that's quite interesting because I am going to do two events in the black community this weekend, uh, tonight and tomorrow night in, in Middleburg, something called Bedroom Affairs. Ooh, okay. So what's really interesting is that the bookings for so – they're two separate events, for women tonight and for men tomorrow night. And there have been a lot of bookings for the women's event and for the mm. men's event. It's really small. Mm. 
And, you know, we, we touched on it just now, but we moved off so quickly. Um, Jonty, I really, really think that we've got to bring this subject into the open for men. And we've got to get men willing to talk about mm. sexual problems. Um, it, it, it's just so destructive to put it under the covers and not discuss it and, uh, mm. not, not to actually ask for help. I mean, the number of men I treat who've got erectile dysfunction mm. or premature ejaculation who, who just have, you know, they've gone through 30 years of marriage and they've never discussed it with anyone struggling oh. and worrying and being afraid, but stuffing it down all the time and not not discussing it. Yeah. Um, I get so many inquiries from men mm. that this what, but that's where it stops. Mm. And um, I know I celebrate when men come in to work with these issues to heal mm. because the power of it is amazing. Mm. And what it happens can transform to, a marriage. Yeah, to their truthfully. lives, to their relationships. Because I know marriages that have ended because of that, mm. because a man will not do anything about it. Yeah. And, and, and I have a lot of men actually, they don't come to me for their sexual dysfunction. Mm. They come to me for, for back pain or yeah. some other problem. Um, and mm. then, it, or because they've cycled too much to try and avoid the problem, just saying. Lots of men do that. Yeah. They just stuff it down with yeah. uh, diversion tactics. Yeah. Um, but really when they do actually discuss the problem that's existing there, it, it's so liberating for them. They just their life force can just come yeah. shooting back for them. But what you say there is interesting because, for example, when I was practicing kinesiology, one of the most amazing connections between erection issues and weak hamstrings. Well, that up. that all or, comes from or hamstrings the, from that the low are back. overly used. Mm. Yeah. So the the important thing with that is it happens in a context. Absolutely. And this is the big thing to understand, that very often the pelvic pain that's manifesting is a symptom and the cause is a whole lot of other stuff. Absolutely. And I mean, on a physical level. Yeah, purely physical. <coughs> the, um, the core is, is a circle of muscles. It's called yeah. the circle of integrity. It's made up of the diaphragm. The stomach muscles, the pelvic floor, and the low back muscles. Mm. And everybody's talking about the core, left, right, and center, but most people only mean the abdominals. That's it. They don't think about the diaphragm. And if you look about, look around and see how people are breathing, most people living in the fast-paced Johannesburg mm. stressful society with all the bad news coming, hearing at us all the time, are hardly breathing at all. Most people are not using their diaphragms at all. So if you're not using your diaphragm, chances are you're not using your pelvic floor properly either. Yeah. And that's like having a pressure cooker without a lid on the top. Yeah. <clears throat> Just so the, can't function properly. So the interesting thing from an emotional perspective is right in the middle of your diaphragm is your solar plexus chakra. Yes. So chakra is an energy center, for those who don't know. Now, solar plexus is where we interact with the world, where the world interacts with us. Will and ego sit there. So when will and ego are kind of battling themselves out and we're trying to come from this very ego-based space in the world, that contracts. Mm. So it's quite amazing because that little area can spread that contraction the whole way through your diaphragm to your pelvic floor and the contraction. So very often when you work with releasing those ego issues – your sexuality is going to change. Absolutely. And most people, when I talk to them about ego, many people think the ego, when they think ego, they think somebody's standing on the table banging yeah. their chest and saying how great they are. That's not the ego at all. No. That's a form of ego. Yeah. I always say your ego is your bodyguard. 
or your helicopter mom. It's trying its best to protect you mm. from any form of pain or suffering. It's trying to look mm. after you in the world. Yeah. So if your ego is, is trying to protect you because you feel a little bit insecure, a little bit overwhelmed, a little bit fearful, got financial stress, whatever, your ego will be coming up to try and look after mm. you. So it's very linked so, to personal power. Absolutely. And one of the ways that we express that power, particularly as men, is in sexual prowess. Absolutely. But as soon as that sexual function is slightly altered, then suddenly we feel totally disempowered and that scares the hell out of us. Yeah. Well, I'm not a man, obviously, so I'm talking about <laughs> men. <laughs> so, um, but that's what I've engaged and in, uh, discovered. And uh, so really helping men to see that this is just yeah. a symptom and, and it really doesn't say anything about you as a man. Yeah. It just says you have a bit of a problem That's and it's it. easy to deal with. Mm-hmm. And once unfortunately, you know we put it as this is my identity. Mm. So here's an interesting question from all the time that you spend overseas now, Tamar. Yeah. <laughs> how differently have you seen men in terms of being more relaxed, being more authentic, being more of who they are, or are we talking about something that's more universal? Because, I mean, you've been in Israel, yeah. you've been in Slovenia and yeah. Italy. That's quite a spectrum, you know, because Israeli men are very different to European men, to South African men. True that. So, first of all, I must say, Sue, I'm overwhelmed with joy to just listen, or, or I'm also overwhelmed with so much knowledge that I, I'm just now being exposed to, and I thought I know a thing or two. But uh, I wish your teachings will go everywhere. <laughs> Do you know, there was because, there was a discussion in a in a tantra group this week, and it was about the fact. And I said something that we're all beginners all the time. Absolutely, yeah. every day, but, all over again. And as soon yeah, as we think we know something, uh, let's be careful because there's so much more to know. For sure. But yeah, mm-hmm. carry on tomorrow. Yeah. So, so, so really just amazing. And thank you for sharing all this amazing knowledge that you really can't find anywhere. Um, not in the, in the main channels. And then regarding men, um, there's definitely a difference. Give you an example. So in Israel, you can speak very openly about sexuality. It's not so problematic, but once you speak about just calming down and enjoying life and and making time for the important things, then it's already there's a red flag because you make a lot of plans and you give, you know, specific time. But just relaxing into life is something very unfamiliar to the Israeli culture. I can see the difference in when, you know, Slovenia and Italy or just, you know, the different uh, countries that we are traveling through uh, because there there's uh, here in Slovenia, there's three hours um Break in Italy as well. Three hours break in the afternoon. Mm. Everybody goes to their families. Everybody goes to have a meal. People come together on a regular basis, communicate. There's much more of, uh, of caring and showing caring for family and so on. And also when I shared with the holistic group, um, in, uh, in Slovenia that, you know, that one of my passions is to understand better human holistic sexuality, um, you know, they weren't shocked by it. It wasn't like uh, many uh, reactions that I get in South Africa, which is a lot of conservative, um, more feel to it of, oh, you, you're a nice person, but you deal with, you want to deal with sexuality. That's weird, you know? Mm. So um, th- there, there was a feeling much more of openness, but I, I have to say it's not still something that I could feel that people are happily just sharing and opening up. It's kind of cross cross the board. People are not necessarily, even if they're family-oriented and making time for relaxation, they're not necessarily open to chat about, you know, 
intimacy and so on. So that's still something that I can see across the board. Maybe I'm generalizing, but that's what I see. Mm. Okay, mm. interesting. So it really is this universal shutdown about sexuality. I think it's been so programmed into us since yeah. we were small. I mean, you know, Queen Victoria and the likes of her. Oh, yeah, way know, before really then. programmed So people. much being religious in and nature. Absolutely, religiosity of whatever form. Oh, those fuckers really <laughs> did a good job. Hey? <laughs> they really did program us. Yeah, across but, the board, regardless of the religion. And for me, it's so tragic because truthfully, sexuality is so integral to mm. well-being. And so many mm. people stick it in a little box and say, ah, well, Everything else is working great. You know, why would I need to worry about that? And, yeah. and they just don't understand that yeah. sex is vital to well-being. Yeah, on so many levels. We are just. I, mean, I got a phone call yesterday from a woman, and it's not the first time because this happens quite often, that she just has come to understand that so much of her stress, full-stop stress, is due to sexual tension that is not being released. Mm. But that's huge because if you think about what stress does and the impact of stress on sleep, on happiness, on energy, on digestion, on the nervous system, on every single system in our bodies, that so much stress and all of the illnesses that come from being stressed mm. are simply there because of sexual tension. Mm. Full stop. And it's a, it's a feed forward thing because yeah. the more stress you have, the more sexual repression you're likely to have. I mean, yeah. nobody has a high libido when they're under stress. No. Um, and, you know, so it feeds forward. Yeah. Because when you have an orgasm, you have the capacity to really let go and relax. It yeah. is the most total form of relaxation yeah. that you can achieve. So, so from a purely physiological point of view, we have to understand that everything in our body, everything in our being has a purpose. Mm. And that's one of the purposes of that. I remember a long time ago going through a phase, it wasn't so long ago, where a whole group of women were coming to see me who were married, who were happily married, and they had reasonable sex lives. They were, they, there wasn't a problem. They could have been better, but there wasn't a problem. And all that happened was when they came and they had a really deep sexual energy massage experience, for two or three weeks, they were so much nicer at home. They were more relaxed. They were better mothers. They were better wives. They were better partners. And this was all done with consent of their husbands who said, when you don't have this experience, you're not nice to be with. Mm. And, I mean, if you just notice the, the hormonal changes mm. that occur as a result of sexual oh, yeah. arousal or sexual pleasure, yeah. um, you know, the oxytocin that's released in the brain, the serotonin that's yeah. raised, you'll know why she's nicer yeah. to be with at home. And, and the oxytocin <laughs> release is huge yeah. because of, it just helps us be more loving, nicer people. Mm. Full stop. And when mm. we're more loving, nicer people, we feel better. We that's feel happier. It. So it feeds forward into making us more connected to other people, more connected yeah. to ourselves. And so... Upward it goes So I would love to just say The one population Mm. group That I really find Are are severely struggling With their sexuality Is the menopausal women Mm. And uh, Mm. I think a lot of them Are just Their libido is slightly lowered By their Mm. um, hormonal status Often they are battling to lubricate And so they're a little bit dry um, Because of their hormones And they just switch off And say If I never had sex again in my life I'd be so happy. I mean, I hear that so often from my menopausal patients and clients. And I think it really is vital for them to understand that it might take a little bit more 
focus. It might take a little bit more time, but it's still vital for themselves, for their well-being, and for their relationships. So menopausal women, perimenopausal women, please don't switch off your sexuality. It won't do you any good, and neither will it do your marriage any good. Now, there's some interesting stuff coming out overseas. So what's interesting is that a lot of, of research in sexuality is actually being triggered by stuff in the world of neo-tantra, of conscious sexuality, of tower sexuality, because they are having a lot of anecdotal experiences. And now people are saying, okay, so we need to actually create some research around these things. And one of the interesting things that's coming up is one of the functions of the G-spot is actually a hormone balancer. So what's being done is that people learning, couples, for example, learning G-spot massage and women learning to massage their G-spot on their own are becoming an amazing natural hormone balancer. And how much better to get your own hormone balance like that than have to take uh, hormone replacement therapy and antidepressants? I mean, hello, which would you rather do? (laughs) And the interesting link for this becomes that so many women don't know that they have a G-spot or it's not awake because of emotional blockages. Mm. Or programming yeah. from, you know, families that say you daren't touch yourself and you daren't, mm. you know, you're just not supposed to have sexual pleasure. Yeah. I mean, I actually read um, an old book that was given to one of my very old patients who had been to finishing school in Switzerland. She brought me this book and I was fascinated to read that it instructed girls, young girls, that sex was not for their pleasure. Mm. That they were never to say no to their husbands. That if they had, um, had a sexual encounter with their husband and they still wished for more, they should go to the bathroom and help themselves. Mm. But they were not to exper- express any pleasure during the sexual encounter. And this is what was taught to this girl in finishing school. Yeah. So, yeah, this is the programming uh. that people have to unwind. And, you uh. know, I teach mindfulness and I'm passionate about mindfulness. Mindlessness is just living the way you've been taught to live, the mm. way you've always lived. Mindfulness is about, ex- um, you know, really examining those ideas that you're living with and saying, really, is that true for me or do I believe something else? Yeah. So I would love to inspire more people to be mindful about the programs that have been laid down for them. You know, Examine them for mm. truth. Um, I came across something last week in a talk. It was actually a talk that Bruce Lipton gave. And it really made me think because it shook even me to some extent. The percentage or the time that we are actually really conscious during a day, any idea on what that figure Mm. might be? Terrifyingly small. 5%. 5%, yeah. Mm -hmm. I I can believe that. And for many, not at all. Yeah. And the rest of it, we're just living these programs. Mm. Automatic pilot. Yeah. Taking us through. Mm. And that is such a tragedy. And the one chance you get to be really conscious is when you're having sex, is when you're being touched, (laughs) is to actually just enjoy it. Um, And to be in the moment and enjoy that touch and that pleasure um, and that skin on skin contact. Um, But how heartbreaking if you're actually in your mind and you're not conscious or uh, present at all. Yeah. And that's something that takes me to a place of understanding the importance of also touch and uh, facts that, honestly, we as humans are not really aware of the importance of, okay, you mentioned um, hormone balance, but, but the just being in that out of your mind zone or out of your brain 
we differentiate sometimes between brain and mind uh, or being touched being being in that in that receiving state being in that let's say more physical state is something we don't give any importance to Absolutely. Yeah. And then we wonder why we want to eat sugar and we, we mm. sensory seeking organisms, mm. human beings. We, we're looking for intense sensation. And the only one that many people are actually enjoying is the sense of taste. Yeah. And that's why they want hot food. They want spicy food. They want sweet food instead of tuning in to the actual sensuality of everyday experiences. Yeah. That's something interesting because over the years of working with a lot of women and about 70% of people that I work with are women, that when they get more in touch with their sexuality and that becomes an amazing expression, how their weight changes naturally without having to do anything specific. Because you're not filling that hole inside, Mm. that hole, that longing for connection, for sensuality. And it's connection that people are looking for Mm. more than the sex. Mm. So sex by itself is easy. If you're not having orgasms, you can do something about that. And generally, that's not that hard to get right. Mm -hmm. Uh, General statement. Um, And often orgasms are just a result. And I I published an article a few weeks ago that said just because you're having orgasms does not mean you're sexually fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Because often Mm -hmm. an orgasm is simply the right stimulation, Mm -hmm. whether it's with a finger, a cock, a tongue, a toy. It's just an orgasm and it's just your body doing its thing. But the emotional well, same old thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you had one orgasm, you know how to have orgasms, so your body does exactly. it. Yeah. But the power is in connection and in intimacy in, in the heart. Absolutely. And in, in the consciousness of, of sexuality and sensuality. And I always say to to people that and, and to myself and just notice it, what mm. an exquisite creation it is of two people mm. becoming one. Mm. I mean it's just mind blowing if you think about it. And if you really, really engage with what that actually means and, more importantly, what that feels like, the outcome is true connection, yeah, exquisite connection. And that feels so awesome. Yeah, absolutely, on so many levels. And fulfills the, the longings of the soul so intensely. Yeah. yeah. I would like yeah. to capitalize on that because once you learn through – and what a better way to learn, of course, you have to do some healing regarding the traumas or anything that mm. inhibits you. But once you are in that zone of understanding deliciousness, understanding uh, potential of pleasure, potential of of sensation, or like you said so beautifully, Sue, it's it's like a sensibility. It's like a, to to feel your senses much more through understanding pleasure. You can use it in every aspect of your life, which throws me again to the connection of every aspect of your life to sex eventually. Or what a wonderful tool it is that you can taste delicious moments. And, and pleasurable moments, and you open yourself to pleasure in life in general through mm. sex. Absolutely. Yeah. And through sensuality. Yeah. Yes. And to understand that for me, sensuality is always such a personal thing. Mm. That what you say is so right there, Tamar, that when you become more consciously sensual, of really enjoying food, of really enjoying coffee of really enjoying the amazing smell of someone who walks past you of looking at the sky and being in the sea or anything a like hot that. shower and, mm. you know a nice fluffy towel on your skin you know yeah. whatever i mean one of the things that awakened me when i first became a mom was to just feel that 
baby in my yeah. arms and just feel that overwhelming love coming up mm. in me and to just tune into it. It was just the most exquisite experience ever. And uh, I could just sit there for hours and just channel that, so mm. to speak. And and I think, yeah, mm-hmm. if we if yeah. we could just tune in to those magnificent moments, as you mm. say, life would in- be very different. Yeah. And the interesting thing, more and more this is coming out, that we change things through feeling more than through thoughts. Definitely. That your thoughts are, are there. And the simple truth is your thoughts are going to fuck you up all the time. <laughs> I mean, that's the real scientific explanation. <laughs> Love the way you say it, Jotty. But it's Couldn't the truth of it. No, the truth you know? is that we've and got three brains. And yeah. a lot of people don't know. They have a gut brain, yeah. a heart brain, and a brain brain. Yeah. And your gut brain is the first one to form. Mm. And it's often the most sensitive. So if mm. you are only so tuning in. Stuff. Exactly. Yeah. If you're only tuning into your one brain, you're, you're walking around using one third of your capacity. And I think that's devastating. Yeah. So really to tune into your heart brain and your gut brain and yeah. allow those brains to work for you. And allow them all to vital. talk to each other. Exactly. And listen to that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was even a study done a while ago that they asked a whole lot of top CEOs around the world how they make decisions. And the interesting thing was something like 80%, 75, 80% said they do it on intuition. Mm. Then comes, brain. Yeah. Then comes the explanation. But if we lived more with feeling, Mm. not what you think, Mm. not your expectation, not your patterning, Mm. but what you feel. Absolutely, because your thinking has been so programmed by, you know, the garbage of your ancestors and so on. And the Queen yeah. Victorias of yeah. the world, etc. So it's 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 not, uh, you know, there's nothing intelligent about yeah. it. It's just so be aware of of the life that you would really like to live. What would you really like to do every day? Mm. What kind of relationship would you really like to have? What kind of parent would you really like to be? Mm. And what kind of sex would you really like to have? And what kind of world do you want to live in? Mm. And one of my big things is the transformational power of sex. That as we become more sexually conscious, we become more emotionally conscious, we become more spiritually conscious, more health conscious, and we become more aware of this world we live in and the impact that we can have in terms of the society we create. Well, what about if we looked at it like this? Sex gives us the capacity to wake up and be awake and be present. So you can come back here anytime. That kind of thing. <laughs> you are just so filling in here. So, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that really is. Um, and I, I would just like to mention the heart field and the heart, um, the heart actually um, magnetic field. Yeah. That I think fits here because Johnny speaks of it often. And funny enough, when I was. Um, in the in the earth dance in the a beautiful ceremony for just gratitude for, for the beautiful nature and unbelievable gift of life that we have i i met amazing all intellectual wonderful people that spoke on quite frankly scientifically about the heart magnetic field that they all read researches and there's amazing researches happening in australia through different professors that are actually checking in and actually realizing there's such unbelievable frequency to the heart much more than the brain and you know the rest of the body and that takes us back to what is a better tool to combine consciousness and sex and you get 
such a, a amplifying energy of the heart. Yeah. So the interesting thing about that is if you think about your sexual energy is generated in your genitals and for that to flow up your body into your heart, it has to move through solar plexus. Mm. So you have to clear that stuff up first before that energy can move. And you're right because the brain's electrical field can be measured about a meter from the body. Heart field, you can measure more than three meters mm. from the body. Mm. So it's enormous. And the amplification of that heart field, when you put two hearts together, mm. which you do in any form of physical touch between a man and a woman, especially, especially if it's close, mm. is just the amplification of that wave is just doubling the wave. Yeah. So yeah. how magnificent is that? Absolutely. Oh, la la. This is big stuff here. Here's the important thing from all of this. If you are experiencing pain during sex, you do not have to live with that. You can change it. Please change it. Sue, so people know where to find me, www.eroslife.co.za. Cliff Central, I'm not a hard person to find. Where do people <laughs> find you? Um, so my website mm. is www.bodybrilliance.co.za. Yeah. Um, if you Google Sue Fullergood, I think you'll find me. Um, I should be a fairly easy person to find as well. I'm also on Facebook. Okay. Not terribly actively, but I am on Facebook, and so is Body Brilliance. And yeah, should be easy to find me from that. Awesome. And I'd love to help you. So please don't hesitate to give me a yell. Yeah, maybe we should put something together. I think that would be really, really cool and interesting. Oh, yeah. I like that idea. So London Bridge, for those who don't know, London Bridge is when two women are kneeling opposite each other and two men are penetrating them from behind and the women are kissing. Okay. That is so funny. There we go. And you <laughs> get London know. Bridge. <laughs> so anybody can tell us how you make the Sydney Harbour Bridge or the Golden Gate Bridge? Let us, Golden Gate is like long, so that's like a whole orgy of people. <laughs> of people kissing and being penetrated from yeah. behind. The mind boggles, Jaunty. Absolutely. Yeah, no idea. There we go. Yeah, we have to lighten it up a bit. Yes. So some interesting things this week. I'm going to be in, in Middleburg for Bedroom Affairs. That's advertised on Facebook. So look at that. Fetish Haven SA are doing something amazing on Sunday. Firstly, Saturday night, there's a big um, party there, Hellfire, which is going to be really interesting. But on Sunday, they are doing, I think for the first time ever in South Africa, which is awesome, a fetish market. So there's all wow. sorts of entertainment. There's all sorts of stuff to buy. I think there's going to be stuff to eat. So go to Fetish Haven SA. Um, they're on Facebook, on Twitter, and you'll see information about that. But it looks really exciting. And it's such an expansion. It's such a different perspective. It's like bringing fetish literally into the sunlight, like the Folsom oh. Street Fair in San Francisco, which is awesome. So Absolutely. you can go, you can meet people, you can have a good laugh. And that is really, really awesome. Wow. So please come and learn and enjoy and awesome. It has been so cool to hear your voice from the other oh, side of the world. I miss you. And I really, really wish I would love to attend a workshop with you, Sue. You are just a positive, shining diamond. Please keep on shining. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm so glad I got to meet you. <laughs> 